Welcome to DBAX Podcast. The future technology and stuff. This is the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Sports, 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 sports. From the field to the front office, the ballpark to the broadcast booth, it's time to talk DBAX baseball. I just think about baseball. Here are Greg Schulte. And he rockets one to deep right center. That is long gone. And Steve Berthium. In the gap at the track at the wall, and he's got it, A.J. Pollock, wow! Play ball! From Salt River Fields, a talking stick in Scottsdale, Arizona, this is D-Backs Podcast, the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Welcome to our 29th D-Backs Podcast. It's Season 2, Episode 4, as we get ready for the official opening of spring training and the 2016 Major League season, many of the D-backs coaches and players already here working well ahead of the February 17th start date. That's the first official workout day when pitchers and catchers report. That's the day when workouts begin uh, open to the public here at this outstanding spring training facility. Position players on the 22nd, first full squad workout Tuesday, February 23rd. So we're just about a month away. I'm Steve Berthium. We're here at spring training because this is where everything is happening, even guys at this relatively early date. And we'll catch up with some outstanding guests for you over the coming weeks, extended discussions with players and coaches over the next two-plus months here on D-Backs Podcast. Today's special guest, Leo Gilmartin, has worked tirelessly to line us up some headliners. We have Matt Williams on the show and Patrick Corbin. Went right to the deadline, but we got him in. say Leo was a special guest. <laughs> well, some days it may come to that, but uh, not good today. Good guest today. Good guest today. Yeah, we have two good guests. Matt Williams coming up and then Patrick Corbin as well. Uh, as always, here with the Arizona Diamondbacks original broadcast voice, he is the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, and with Oscar nominations out, a man who would definitely figure out a way to survive if he was stranded on Mars. It's the governor, Greg Schulte. i got to watch that, The Martian. I just watched that. Is it good? It was good. I'm going to write it. I thought it was a little overrated, to be honest with you, but yeah. it was good. The Very wife, good. it's funny. The wife and I watched it on the uh, on the on demand last week. I thought it was terrific. Yeah, I'm going to uh, watch that. That was very good. I yeah. just that it, it just didn't just didn't knock my socks off. Yeah. It's good. Ooh, an old old term. Knock my socks off. All right. Well, he's an old man. <laughs> Getting older by the minute. <laughs> Also on the program, if you haven't already guessed, he's the man who has uh, set us up here in the players' dining room, only a few feet away, and With right no next food. to the clubhouse at Salt River Fields. Yeah, where's the food? <laughs> you guys should have got here earlier. Oh, on the big league side of the main building here, because he's a big league guy. It's the man who is the grizzly bear to our revenant. <laughs> The mother of dragons, the Kingslayer, Leo, Bad News, Gil Martin. I can live with that. Did Grizz- I, uh, Grizzly uh, Adams. I have not seen that one either. That, that one I really want. The wife to see. and I went and saw it. and uh, My son saw it. So it's pretty, pretty graphic. It's graphic. Eh, it's not like gory, but it's pretty intense. It's intense. Yeah, that's what he said. And uh, I loved Birdman, which nobody seemed to like. I, you know, I, I didn't mind that. I, I, I loved it. I just, yeah. Actually, I just rewatched it about a month ago. I, yeah. lo- I thought that was a great movie, Birdman with Michael Keaton. The same guy that did Birdman, yeah. Inaratu, whatever his name is, the director did The Revenant, and he shot it kind of the same way. It's stunning to look at, The Revenant. Stunning to look at. I'd like to see it. I don't know about that bear scene, though. That, the uh, bear scene is wild, yeah. man. It's wild. But I thought Matt Damon was better in terms of best actor, than Leo was. But Ed Leo Martin. didn't get to say much. He's Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah not Leo <laughs> Gilmartin. <laughs> How often do those two get confused? <laughs> we'll just start calling thing. Leo Leonardo. 
How about that? Leonardo, Leonardo Gilmartin. Yeah, that might Leonardo work. Gar- it's not my name, though. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's well, a good point. Might fit. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Yeah. It never has. Not on this show. Uh, no earth-shattering Diamondbacks news, guys, since we uh, came to you last week. The D-backs did add to their list of bullpen candidates. They uh, acquired Cody Hall, who'd been designated for assignment by the Giants. They needed the roster spot when they signed Denard Span. So Cody Hall will be part of spring training this year, 28-year-old right-hander. It's an arm to look at. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think we're in agreement that uh, that's one area they still need maybe to touch up a little bit. Uh, I would like to see a veteran, veteran guy in here. Yeah. yeah, I think that would help. To make room for Cody Hall, they DFA'd Matt Stites. Good luck to Matt. Yeah, who we wish uh, well. Remember when he was acquired in the Ian Kennedy? No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ian Kennedy deal. When Ian went to San Diego at midseason a few years ago, uh, Kevin Towers said he's a lot like Craig Kimbrell, Matt Stites. Throws hard. He's got some sink, but it just it never really mm. happened here. And then he had some injury problems, too. Yeah. So. Uh, also added to the list of bullpen candidates last week, Sam LeCure. The uh, veteran red right-hander, 31 years old. He's pitched in quite a few major league games over his uh, career. He has been in Cincinnati the last six seasons, was very good in 2013 and 14. Last year, uh, did not make the team coming out of camp with the Reds. Spent only, uh, let's see, 19 appearances in Cincinnati, 20 big league innings. He was in AAA most of the year. Another arm to look at. So that's uh, the latest news, really. There's not a whole lot of it. Um, There is contract news. D-backs last week reached agreement on 2016 deals with several players, avoiding arbitration. Shelby Miller, Wellington Castillo, Patrick Corbin, Randall Delgado, Daniel Hudson, Ruby De La Rosa all agreed to terms. The only player who did not was A.J. Pollock. And they're not that far apart. And there's talk about maybe somewhere down the road, although it's tabled right now, uh, maybe a long-term deal. A.J. has reportedly filed an arbitration salary number of $3.9 million. And the Diamondbacks, according to reports, have offered 365. This is AJ's first year of arbitration eligibility. He made 520,000 last year. Bargain. I looked at the 3.9 number. I think that's a bargain. Uh, yeah. I, wow. Okay. That's that's <laughs> yeah. awfully low. It would seem for a guy. That's not my money, but right. No. But yeah. he's one of the best yeah. players in his position in the game. I think they'll strike uh, common ground somewhere and get that thing. Taken care of. There was a story yesterday on uh, dbacks.com, the MLB website, written by Steve Gilbert. And uh, Steve quoted GM Dave Stewart uh, saying that the two sides, the Diamondbacks and the A.J. Pollock camp, are not far apart. And the D-backs are willing, if A.J.'s side is willing, to uh, get to a ground where this thing doesn't have to go to arbitration. So it seems like there's a lot of optimism. They'll reach a number they're not far apart, yeah. as you mentioned. The news-worthy uh, item was... Um, that Stu said the two sides have agreed to table for now the negotiations on a multi-year contract. And both sides seem happy with that. They're under, uh, AJ is under team control for three more seasons, which is 16, 17, and 18. 2019 is when he can be a free agent. So there's no rush, I yeah. guess, Gub, yeah. it would seem. And I think uh, at this stage with the three years, yeah, I think the, they get the arbitration, maybe one year of arbitration out of the way, and then uh, go from there. Uh, mentioned uh, Ruby De La Rosa. We just saw Ruby, chatted with him a bit. He looked great. He did. Wellington Castillo, got to say hello to him. He looks like he's been working out. Yasmani looked like he'd been working out pretty well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. And Yasmani Tomas, I mean, we've heard a lot about all the work he's been doing in the offseason. He looked good. And, and maybe the biggest news and the best news, Evan Marshall. We talked to him. He How seems, great was that, yeah, huh? it, you know, the, the tragic uh, uh, beaning last year, the surgery required, but uh, he's. 
Uh, he's close to being uh, cleared to uh, pitch. It's funny. He was beaming when we saw him in the hall about 10 minutes ago, yeah. and he had in his hand his concussion report, yeah. and all the tests had come back, and he passed with flying colors. It was tr couldn't have been a bigger success By the for Diamondbacks, him. people, yeah. Right, and there's a whole process yeah. he has to go through. MLB has to get a look at it, and there's a whole bunch of team But of that's doctors. good, like you said. But he said he wanted to put it up on yeah. the refrigerator yeah. <laughs> in the clubhouse <laughs> so people could read it, yeah. which I thought was really cute. But he looked so relieved and so happy and so excited. It was great to see. It looked in great shape, too. Yeah, he so, really did. Yeah. Boy, that's yeah. another arm that could help. Man, he was really good. Two years ago, yeah. boy, he was really, really good. They could, they really missed him last year. They did. So you hope that he can uh, get it figured out. But to, in terms of the health, boy, he was he was elated. Yeah, I didn't mean to overstep to on Yasmani there, but uh, Yasmani did also uh, look pretty good. So yeah, he really did. He's going to be a big, big uh, plus for this ball club this year. If uh, number one, he's the Yasmani we saw in the first half of 2015. The talent is there. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. We'll talk to Matt Williams about that and uh, Patrick Corbin as well. Those are our two guests uh, here on Episode 29. Before, though, I wanted to talk about our friend Buster Only, who's a friend of the pod, as they say. He's, he's run a whole series this week at uh, ESPN.com's MLB page, which is still a terrific baseball read. Uh, over the course of the last week, Buster ran a series top 10 team rankings in the following categories. He did starting rotation, bullpen, infield, outfield, lineup, and defense, and they did an overall top 10. But Buster's rankings found that the Diamondbacks were placed in the top 10 in four of those six categories. We talked about one on the last show, which was starting rotation, mm -hmm. where Buster had us ranked ninth overall uh, with the Giants fifth and the Dodgers sixth. But I wanted to get your thoughts, Gub, on some of these other rankings. We did not rank in the top 10 in bullpen. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, that was... Uh, That's an area I think uh, we've talked about it enough. Uh, we talked about it just uh, a couple of moments ago that uh, there is an area that the Diamondbacks, we've, we feel, still needs a little doctoring. They're counting on a lot of young guys, it would seem. You've got your staples. You've got Ziggler right. at the back end. You've got Huddy there. You've got Randall Delgado. You've got Andrew Chafin. That's a really good group. Got a lot of good arms. But there's Bracho and Leon and some of these other guys that uh, I think they're counting on. It would be nice to see one veteran guy come in. Yep. Um, so the Diamondbacks are not top 10 bullpen, according to Buster. They are not top 10 infield. Um, I thought this was interesting. Infield defense? No, just infield overall. Top 10 major league infields. Everything. Defense, offense, the Look, whole package. Yeah, Goldie's obviously the big, uh, the big guy there offensively. And, uh, you know, Lamb is, uh, you know, second full season. Ahmed's second full season. Owings coming off uh, a tough year. So I can see where... Defensively, they're they're you know one of the best offensively, outside of Goldie. There's uh, still some work to do. Buster had the Giants as the second best infield of the major leagues behind the Cubs. Then again, you know you got you got kids in panic and you got uh, Duffy on the corners. Crawford had a big year. Uh, it belt um, uh, offensively. I guess I give them a little edge over the Diamondbacks in three spots offensively. Well, I think it's clear that Chris Owings is going to have a better year offensively than he did before. And I, I, I think Nick Ahmed will hit more yeah. than he did last year. And you know you're going to get more on a third yeah. between Lamb, Drury, whoever ends yeah. up there. So I think there's a lot of room for improvement yeah. there. Uh, here we go. Major League Baseball's top ten outfields. Mm -hmm. Buster only ESPN.com. Pirates one, Cubs two, Marlins three. 
Then it goes Red Sox, Yankees, Diamondbacks, six. So the Diamondbacks, according to Buster, have the sixth best outfield in the major leagues, even after losing Ender and Ciarte. Yeah, I wonder what they would have been if they still had Ender. What do you think? Uh, Peralta, I think, made a lot of strides defensively, uh, made a lot of strides offensively. This is going to be a big year for him. He's got to uh, he's got to keep it going. Yeah. Yasmani, we've talked about. Uh, if we get the Yasmani in the first half of 2015, he's going to play pretty much every day. So, uh, you know, he's going to be a big contributor. Defensively, uh, I like the guy he's working with, Dave McKay. You know, Dave McKay has done a lot with uh, with lesser talent than Yasmani and made them good defenders. So uh, I like the chances of Yasmani improving defensively. And I didn't think he was that bad defensively, no, to be honest with he's you. He's much more athletic yeah. than people realize he will be. When you watch yeah. him play every day, you realize there is an athlete there. Yeah. And he, look, he's no gazelle, certainly, and he's not going to win a gold glove, but he can more than hold his own, I yep. think. And he's got a very good arm. Yep. Um, and something else that hasn't really been talked about publicly, we've talked about it with some of the coaches, the idea that maybe they're better off with David Peralta in right field and he has Monty Tomas as the left fielder. Yeah, that's something I'm sure Chip and, uh, and Dave McKay and uh, the others will talk about during the spring. So uh, don't lose sight of that. Yasmani Tomas as the everyday left fielder here. That's a possibility. Uh, Major League Baseball's top ten lineups. Offensive lineups, one through eight, or I guess one through nine, depending on whether you're American League or National League. Blue Jays won. It's a pretty good lineup. Isn't it? He'll <laughs> yeah. wear you out. Yeah. Texas, a lot of people expecting great things from the Rangers this year. They get Darvish back. Yeah. Um, Texas, two. Cubs, three. Red Sox, four. Astros, five. Yankees, six. Royals, seven. Diamondbacks, eighth. Eighth. He says the Diamondbacks have the eighth best offensive lineup in the major leagues. Go through again. Do they have the best in the National League West? Uh, was it better than the Giants? Yes, good call. Yes, number one in the National League West. Okay. Um, Rockies are ninth. Giants are tenth. I'm going to see what the Rockies do yet with uh, one of their outfielders. They've got four left-handed hitting outfielders. Yeah, they made Parra official today, and it's anticipated that they'll make some kind of move, either with Dickerson or Cargo, yeah. uh, before camp opens up. Well, we like the Diamondbacks' offense. We liked what we saw of it last year, and uh, – there's got to be that continued improvement. We mentioned Peralta. He's got to come back. Yasmani's got to have a big year. Um, what are you going to get out of Wellington Castillo, or are you going to get that long ball? He was clutch. He had a lot of big hits for the Diamondbacks also. Yeah, that two-month run yeah. where he was a tough out. But you would figure, as you said, Ahmed to improve. Owings, uh, he's got that swing down now with the, you know, the, the bat uh, coming off that shoulder problem from a year ago in the shoulder surgery. So, uh, you look for him to pick up. You look for Lamb to be better or Drury, um, Pollock and Goldie, or uh, Pollock and Goldie. Buster now from this article on lineups. Diamondbacks fielded two players who finished third and sixth in the majors in runs scored in Pollock and Goldie. The duo combined to reach base 549 times last season. That's a lot. Which is a tremendous base for any offense, as he writes. And then... According to Buster, Diamondbacks have good complementary pieces in Peralta, Tomas, Castillo. He's right. Mm -hmm. He's right. He also writes, problem for the Diamondbacks' production at second base. I'm very optimistic that Chris Owings is going to have a big problem. I don't think that's a problem. People are forgetting about that. You know, to to take some plays there. Uh, I'm not worried about second base, to be honest with you. Nor am I. I I think C.O. is going to have a nice comeback year. Of course, Aaron Hill is there as well. It'll be interesting to see the way third base ends up. Yeah. That's wide open for me. Top 10 defenses. 
in the major leagues, according to Buster Only, ESPN.com. Uh, first now, of all, take into consideration the Diamondbacks had the top defensive team in all of baseball last year. Defensive runs saved, and we'll get to Sabermetric Smackdown later, but defensive runs saved last season. The Diamondbacks had 71. They were the most of the majors. The Royals, who everyone says is yeah. the best defensive team in baseball, had 56. The third best team was the Marlins, had 37. So the Diamondbacks almost literally were twice as good defensively as every other team in baseball except the Royals who won the World Series. Pretty impressive. So 2016, Diamondbacks, according to Buster, the second best defensive team in the major leagues, even after losing in Ciarte behind Kansas City. And are the Marlins third? Uh, Royals one, Diamondbacks two, Marlins three, Pirates four, Giants five. Giants good defensively. Yeah, you've got Bill Crawford is... Uh, Crawford's a tremendous player at shortstop. You've got Matt Duffy at third. Panic, very good defensively at second. Brandon Belt is pretty good at first. That's a pretty good defensive team. Uh, Indians eighth, Braves ninth, Orioles tenth. Rays were seventh. Braves ninth without Simmons. Is that what you said, Braves ninth? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you got Marcakis. Marcakis is a very good defensive uh, outfielder. Freddie Freeman is a good. Ender's good. Is a good uh, first baseman. Eric Ibar is certainly no Andrew yeah. Simmons at shortstop. But the Diamondbacks, according to Buster, second in defense. So that's six categories there. Diamondbacks top ten in four of them. Ninth in starting pitching. Sixth in outfield. Eighth in overall lineup. Second defensively. So now here's the piece of resistance. The overall top ten, which came out today. This was out uh, Tuesday morning at ESPN.com. Top 10 teams in the major leagues, according to Buster only. Cubs, one. Hmm. Royals, two. Red Sox, three. Giants, four. Rangers, five. Houston, six. Cardinals, seven, Mm. which I don't buy. Mm. Mets, eight. Pirates, nine. Blue Jays, ten. Diamondbacks aren't even Diamondbacks are not on his top ten, despite the fact they were top ten for the six categories. I See, I'd put them in over the Cardinals. I would, too. Uh, there is a best-of-the-rest qualifier at the end of Buster's column. He has the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. He says, Diamondbacks greatly improved, but in a competitive situation. Certainly, that's the NL West, which is going to yeah. be very competitive. So I thought that was fair and kind of interesting. Kind of interesting, though, that they're in four of the top six, and they don't finish in the top ten. Right on the cusp of top ten. Yeah. And we'll talk about the imbalance of the National League and uh, what – the competition will be like not only in the division but in the league a little bit later right now let's introduce our first guest all right friends it is time ladies and gentlemen our first guest tonight is uh he's so good celebrities are here in profusion one after another not only superstars but really super people my guest my guest would you welcome him please hello back with the diamondbacks in here with us on d-backs podcast new d-backs third base coach Matt Williams is here, back in the purple and teal. Welcome back. It's great to have you. Thanks. Yeah, we just got off the field, got some fellas out there working. So it's a good day, sun shining. It's going to be 70 degrees today, which is wonderful. So uh, we're all excited. It's got good a lot to of fellas you, here. Good to see you smiling again. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I'm back to uh, doing what I love to do. I love to get out there with them and, and work. So It was uh, great. Leo and I walked into camp this morning, and there was Maddie hitting a yeah. grounder fungos to – Paul Goldschmidt and Aaron Hill and Chris Owings, and that's when you sort of said, all right, now this this looks like something now. Yeah, it's a, it's um, 
first the year passes and and it starts to get warm again and uh, all the grass is taken it's it's green out there so they're itching to get out and so today was the first day of grounders we'll go a couple of times a week until we start camp we sat here uh, before we started taping this segment with you and uh, we talked not a lot has changed with the Diamondbacks since you've left really yeah, a lot of the position players anyway. There's, well, of course, we're going to have some new pitching, but yeah. the position players were all very, very young. So uh, when I was here, I you know, certainly had Goldie and uh, and Hilly, uh, CO. I had him as a young player um, in the infield and in uh, the fall league when I managed there. Um, Jake Lamb is is uh, I'm familiar with him too because he used to come over from minor league camp and play in some games. So uh, you know the core and Nick Ahmed, the the core is. Uh, are the same guys that when I took off. So uh, that, that's a good feeling, having that familiar presence uh, with all those guys, too. The, the young A.J. Pollock that was here uh, when you were here, did you think he was going to be the star A.J. Pollock that he is right now? It was always a question of health with A.J. Uh, if he could stay healthy, then you can put together those numbers. And last year's an indication of him being able to to do that. Um it helps hit in the middle of the lineup because the numbers tend to go up a little bit. Uh, but what a wonderful year. And I know he works hard. He's in here every day. I'm here four or five days a week, and he's here. So uh, I don't think he's resting on last year, that's for sure. So he wants to continue to improve yeah. and get better. We've heard a lot, uh, Matt, from opposing managers and players about their impressions watching the Diamondbacks from the opposite dugout last season. What was your impression? Well, it's the same as everybody else's, that they come to play and they come to beat you. And, uh, you know, I know that, you, you know, there's a, there's a lot mentioned about Goldie, uh, and it's all very, very true. And uh, he, he leads. He, he's the leader of this club, and, and he sets the example. Um, he did it today. He does it every day in the weight room. And, um, you know, he was the first one out there ready to go for grounders today. So uh, everybody follows along with him. And that tone has been set by Chip, uh, by the coaching staff, and certainly by the players themselves. They police themselves in the clubhouse. And uh, when they step on the field, there's one intention, and that's to win. What, uh, Gub, we were talking about this earlier before we went on the air here, about the difference, Matt, in Goldie and, say, Bryce Harper, who's a younger guy but clearly the best player on that team. Yeah. Uh, are there differences, similarities there in terms of the leadership aspect? Well, I, I think there's, you know, there's differences in every organization for sure. Uh, I know that Bryce is a wonderful player, and I think that his ceiling is, hasn't even been reached yet. Uh, he hasn't had opportunity necessarily to lead that team because there's a lot of veterans on that club. Jason Worth, Ryan Zimmerman, uh, Ian Desmond was on that club. It, it looks like he's going to take off and go somewhere else. But, um, you know, Goldie has has been here with actually guys that are a little bit younger than him. So he's had to take that role on, and he's done it admirably because it's, it's not easy. Um, he's looked to by the team, by the organization, his teammates, and the community to be the leader, and he's embraced it um, and, and led by that example that we talk about. So, I mean, if you want the model, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's the model. Yeah, yeah, and let's keep it that way. When Goldie first got here, he had the label power hitter, maybe 250, 260. Defensively, so-so. We have seen nothing of the so-so defensively. Right. I mean, this kid from day one, we saw him in spring training. I mean, he's been lights out, but it took a lot of hard work on his part to get there. It, it did. It took dedication. You know, He wants to be the complete player. 
Um, so that goes beyond catching a grounder or hitting a ball to right center with a guy on second base or, or getting a ball that he can hit over the fence when the team needs it. It's study. It's understanding himself. It's, it's getting in the video room and, and understanding the pitcher and what key he may have that will allow him to steal second base on him. Um, he takes base running very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those components create the complete, complete player, and that's what he wants to be. Um, yeah, again, uh, the first day I was in here this winter, he said, hey, you know, what do you, what, what do you have that's new? What can we work on? Matt, how do you think your experience as a manager will change your role now second time around here as the third base coach? Or will it at all? Well, I don't know if it will change my responsibilities. Uh, right. Certainly my responsibilities are uh, the infield, uh, coaching third base, of course. And and uh, Chip has asked me to do some things in spring training that uh, – uh, th- that, you know, would take care of all the defensive fundamentals, those types of things. Uh, I think I'll be a, a little bit of a sounding board potentially for him if, if something comes up. You know, what's your experience with this or, or that or the other? Um, you know, managing is, is an interesting gig. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of press these days, multiple press conferences per day, and, uh, and you don't get a chance to work as much as you like to work so I'm back in that role now where I can actually put the fungo in my hand get dirty with these guys and help them improve and in saying that it's changed you talk about manager the role 10 years ago I mean back to your days with Roger Craig and so forth yeah. not the responsibilities that managers have nowadays yeah it's different it's different it's it's managing personality it is uh certainly the x's and o's within the game but but there's so much more that's involved with it. Um, you know, radio and TV and the instant um, information that you could potentially get. Um, it, it's, a, it's a different gig. So uh, I enjoyed it. I, I had a lot of fun doing it. Learned a lot um, that, uh, you know, that will help me uh, be, potentially be a better coach and, and help me uh, to help these guys get better as they go along in their careers. What was the number one thing you think you learned? Uh, I think I learned that that patience is a is a real virtue. I'm you know you can tell by my major league walk total that I'm not a very <laughs> patient guy. <laughs> but you have to be, and and understanding that uh, you know that that the game comes to you more than you go to the game. Uh, I think that was a big lesson I learned. Um, you know that that it's not all it's not always um, going to be rosy for sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you, if you can if you can know that you that you're working hard and you're doing it uh, and and trying to do it right, then you get to sleep at night and and go get them again the next day. There's pressure involved with that, but who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want the opportunity to go out there and win? So, yeah, you, you you deal with all that stuff and try to do the best job you can and and see if you can win ball games. It, it seemed from a great distance here that. The mounting pressure there in Washington and that level of expectation, which at times it seems it reached almost panic mode, yeah. because they, you know they've been good for a long time and it hasn't materialized. That and all the media demands that that creates, it seemed like that situation came with its own special set of burden. Yeah, well, it does. I mean, but that's expectation. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that expectation. I would imagine that um, you know that there will be a little bit more expectation this year on us. Because yeah, of the sure. Zach Grinke signing and, and Shelby Miller and another year and, and Goldie's great year and AJ's great year and um, 
you know, the, uh, all of that combined creates a little bit more expectation. As long as you understand that and know that, hey, that's part of the deal, then you can deal with it. Um, of course, it's, you never can ever, ever in this world uh, understand uh, how it can all go south if guys get hurt. And We know, found that out two years ago. It's rough. 98 uh, losses. Last year I had my starting lineup for two games out of 162. And it's difficult. Go out and win, Manny. Go, go get him. <laughs> but you're faced with it, and yeah. you don't have a choice, right? So you lose Rendon. You, you lose Worth. You lose Zimmerman. Uh, you lose Strasburg. You lose all these guys. Span uh, played 50 games. All of those things, there's nothing you can do about it. But you're still expected to win, and you have to fight every single day to try to do that. From afar, Ryan Zimmerman seems like a hard-nosed, I want to be out there despite my injury type guy. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah. He he loves to play, and he's had a rough last yeah, three he years. Has. I mean, he broke his thumb sliding back into second base. He said had some leg issues. He had plantar fascia this year, which was rough. Um, you know, again, moving him around the diamond from third to first, playing some outfield, uh, it's not easy on a player. Uh, but you have to do the things you have to do to try to win a ball game and put your best team out there every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he, uh, he showed uh, – Great signs last year of when he's healthy, what he can do. And, you know, he's a force in this league if he can play every day. So what, when that situation came to its conclusion, how did we get you back? What was the pro- that process like? Uh, well, I, you know, again, I, I was taking some time, enjoying the family. Uh, you know, I've lived here 30 years. And so uh, when you move and, and, and you're working somewhere else, it's never easy on your family. Yeah. Um, so we took some time and, uh, and took a breath and, and relaxed. And then uh, Andy uh, went to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to Gonzo a little bit about it. Uh, 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 talked to Sheryls, to who had a conversation, who had had a previous conversation with Chip, and, and uh, Chip said, hey, why don't you have him give me a call? So I called him, and uh, we discussed it. Did you pretty much know when it ended in Washington, though, you wanted to get right back into it yeah. some way? Yeah. I love, and not sit around for a year or I whatever. love this game, yeah. man. I'm, and I, I, love, I love doing Beyond all of the being a manager or, or all of those things that come along with it, I love days like today yeah. where I can get out there with the fungo and, and bang balls with the guys, and we're still a month away. That's what I love. So the, the early work at 8 o'clock in the morning, the, the getting up at 4 and getting here at 5.30 for the workout with the coaches in the morning, those are the things that I love. The game is the game. Yeah. But, uh, so I wasn't going to take any time off to relax and go play golf because I'd rather did. be here. So when you called Chip, can you tell us what that conversation was like? I, well, I, I called him and I talked to him. He said, hey, would you, you know, you, are you interested in doing this? I said, yes, I want to I stay in the game. I, I, um, I know these guys. I have a, a little bit of a relationship with all these players. Yeah, it's, it, it would be a comfort level for me to get back into it. Um, so he said, hey, let me, you know, let me talk to Stu. Let me, let me talk to Tony about it. And, uh, and got back to me. Then I went and down and had a meeting with all of them, and, and uh, d- we collectively decided that uh, that I was going to be the third base coach. So I'm I'm really really excited about that. Well, we're excited to have you back. This is yeah. uh, you look at the Matt. You look at the staff, the chip, and everybody has assembled here. Boy, the experience on this coaching staff is just yeah. off the charts. Yeah, it's good. It's good, and and it's and it's familiar. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's great coaching. They're they're all wonderful in their own disciplines and. Um, you know, again, I, I, I'm, I'm here to, to mix in and do my job and, and help these infielders as much as I can. And, um, 
And uh, I'm, I'm happy to do that and proud to do that, proud to put that uniform back on and, and be part of it. You getting your number nine back? <laughs> yeah, I talked to Tuffy. I saw Tuffy wearing number eight at the fashion show. Yeah, we had a conversation. So now, uh, did you have to? Was there an exchange of? Well, there's that's yet to be determined. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, his his uh, his taste is a little bit uh, uh, higher than mine at this point. So there's <laughs> there, there could be a little negotiation that goes on there. But uh, he was he was kind enough to. Uh, to trade jerseys with me, so I'm excited well, about he's that. He's a class too. act. Yeah, he's yeah. great. He's a great kid. His knees uh, good, and and he's in here every day working. So I think he'll be ready too. That's good. Uh, Andy Green was uh, did a great job here. Obviously impressed people. Yeah. Went to a, a place where they really value analytics in San Diego as the manager, and, and he worked a lot with Dr. Ed Lewis. Uh, are you, and some people care about this, other people don't, but are you, a, using a little finger quotes, an analytics guy? Uh, how open to that stuff are you, and how much do you think you'll use it? Extremely. Um, we, the, the thing that we have on our team is a, wonder, a bunch of wonderful athletes. So uh, Goldie at 240 pounds moves like he's 150 pounds. Uh, the guys in the middle of the infield um, are fantastic. And, uh, and you know, and, and there's some... some uh, some youth at third base that uh, you know that uh, we'll work with too. So, that being said, those that athletic ability takes over. Now, if we can incorporate that athletic ability with some information, uh, I've had you know Ed and I have been talking this winter. He's got a lot of ideas. He <laughs> does, and, and you know, and they're really good ideas. Uh, so, if we can put ourselves in the right spot, uh, we're gonna have to get familiar with with Zach and Shelby certainly. Uh, being the new guys here and, and get an idea of what they'd like to accomplish too, uh, but that's an everyday conversation. So yeah, I'm very open to it. I think, I think that the the world of baseball is uh, certainly in that direction, and I think there's further to go. Uh, but yeah, we'll use it a lot. We have all the information we could possibly want. Yeah, with the Diamondbacks now, they're not an afterthought anymore. I mean, you know, a lot of people are going to probably pick them to win the division. It's going to be tough. Giants have improved their ball club. The yeah. Dodgers are still the defending champions. But uh, the Diamondbacks have definitely put themselves in that position to contend and maybe win. Yeah, and you look at the formula last year. Why, why, did they, why was there such a big improvement last year? Because um, the team caught the baseball. Mm -hmm. The outfield was fantastic. We lost Ender, but, uh, and, and that will hurt the outfield yeah. portion of it. Um, but to, to get a starting pitcher that will give you 200 innings, you, sometimes you have to do that. So um, the, the key to the whole thing is being consistent. And if we can be consistent uh, with the addition of the two starting pitchers we got, um, I, think, uh, I think we have a chance on any, on any given day. You saw Shelby Miller more than we did last year, your, your impressions of uh, the young right-hander. It, it was a rough year for him. Yeah. As far as wins Not performance-wise, yeah. because we would look up. We faced him numerous times, and we'd look up in the sixth inning, and he'd given up two hits, and he's got a shutout going. The issue was that he didn't get a whole lot of support. And I, I talked to him the other night at the, uh, at the MVP Awards, uh, and um, it was his first introduction to Phoenix, and he was excited. He was excited to be with this group and, and, uh, and be a part of it. So uh, he's a bulldog. He's a, he's a bully out there. He, that high riding fastball is pretty impressive, and, uh, and he'll go deep in game for you. Let me ask you, when you're a player and, and you experience a season like that, uh, how far down does it take you, and how quickly can you get it back? Well, it, it's tough because you want success, and, and you're always measured by your success. Um, 
with regard to him, though, I, I think people saw through that yeah. and and know that hey, listen, if he, he's got a he's got a two nine ERA and and losing seventeen games, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't match. So um, you know, talk to Freddie Gonzalez about it, and Freddie would leave him in some games because he t- would try to get him a win, and you know, it just didn't didn't work out. So. Those things take I, on their own momentum sometimes, oh, it seems. Yeah. yeah, and it's, you know, he, he went out there and pitched really well. And, didn't uh, miss a start, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it just didn't happen. So what can you do? You can control the things that you can control, uh, and he can go out there and get outs. And if, if for some reason on, those, on that day your team doesn't score any runs, there's not much you can do about it. We, we had a guy named Randy Johnson that yeah. that happened to on, on occasion. Remember that? Randy, I know you remember. He pitched four consecutive games. We've talked about this, where the Diamondbacks got no hit, one hit, two hit, and three hit. <laughs> and four <laughs> consecutive games. And he could go, and he, you know, he'd lose and he one gave up like three runs. <laughs> and so, you know, there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. Yeah. So, again, you're, you know, Freddie tried to help, yeah. you know, and, and get him to a point where then maybe they'd score one and. And it just didn't happen for yeah. us. But I know he's excited to uh, to get here. It's 16, 18 games in which he allowed two earned runs or yeah. fewer and didn't win. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's almost impossible you to do. You think with a little bit of bat support, you know, what that's going to turn things around. Yeah, and I, and I know I know him enough to know that he's a you know he's he's got desire to get out there and compete. Yeah. He showed that last year, certainly, and we're glad to have him. Did you get an impression of some of the other guys in the rotation from the opposite dugout, the Robbie Rays and the Rubies and guys like that? We we saw Ruby a couple of times. We saw Robbie briefly. Um, you know, again, I'm here every day with with Patrick, and he is excited to be, you know, past everything. Yeah. And 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 just having a normal off season to train to get ready to pitch. Yeah. Um, talked to Huddy a little bit last year. Um, what a year he had. Great, isn't it? He's throwing a hundred, and yeah. he's passed all of that yeah. too. I mean, he's he's letting her fly, and there's not there's not that thought of okay, well, I'm rehabbing. I'm still re- they're they're both past it and ready to go. So uh, you know, I, I I got a chance to see Ruby pitch. It's it's a really good heater with some sink, um, and he'll get better. Uh, Patrick's ready to go. Um, uh, Robbie's ready to go, um, and I think that. You know, if they can if they can sit back a little bit when they have time, and watch Zach go about his business, it's pretty special. And that he is the Grinky is the epitome of when you miss, you miss down and off the plate, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't make those mistakes. So if they can pull a little bit from him in that regard, I think they'll improve drastically. And I know that everybody's excited to have him around too, and and ready to go. Boy, we're we're 28 days away from pitcher and catcher. Some analytics people might say that too much is made of that, but when, when you're around players every day and in the clubhouse, and you know 162, a guy like Granke, in terms of the osmosis, what other guys take in from him, is too much made of that, or is it really a thing? Well, I can tell you a conversation I had, and I don't, I don't think he would he would uh, get mad at me for saying it, but I had a conversation with Aaron Hill this morning, as a matter of fact, about Doc Holliday. And, and, and the way he was and how pitchers followed the way he went about it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something to In be Toronto. said. In Toronto. Yeah, I think yeah. there's something to be said for that. So you have, you have a guy like Zach who's had success um, that comes to a new organization. He, he certainly wants to make a great impression, of course. But, but to be able to step out there on any given day and shut a team out, regardless of who they are, 
um, there's a lot that can be learned from that, not only from a pitching standpoint, but from a defensive standpoint too. So I want to learn, and our group of infielders want to learn what his tendencies are, what he likes to do, where he's going to you know, throw a certain pitch in a certain situation so we can be standing there and catch it. And he will be able to dictate that given his success and his, you know, his, his repertoire coming in. So but it, it does seem to impact, I don't know, the attitude, the approach, the interest or enthusiasm level of the other pitchers? Yeah, there's a, regardless of, of who they are, I mean, we can go back yeah. years and years, but there was this great competition between Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling when they were together. Which only made it better. Which only made them better. So if there's a competition that happens there, uh, a friendly teammate competition, there's nothing wrong with that either. Sure. Um, and all of that, that whole thing creates a good dynamic moving forward. The, the one great thing about Maddie uh, playing with that combo of guys, when Randy would take the hill or Kurt would take the hill, and they're usually back-to-back. Randy yep. was either ahead of Kurt, Kurt ahead of Randy. Uh, you knew that 40% of the time, two-fifths year, you had a probably about a 90% chance to win a ball game. And in the competitive spirit there, if Randy went out and threw a two-hitter, Schilling went out the next day and wanted to throw a one-hitter yeah. or even a no-hitter. It was, it was great. It was good. And, and, there, and that type of dynamic creates chemistry, uh, oddly enough. Even though it is yeah. competition, it creates chemistry in the clubhouse. It creates uh, the path to winning. And I think this club has it. I mean, if I sat in the opposing dugout the last couple of years and watched it, uh, and uh, and it, w- when they hit when they hit the ball, they are full. Uh, they're going first to third. They're trying to score. Uh, the defense is good, uh, and so all of those things contribute to uh, hopefully a whole lot of W's for our team. Well, great, I'm great glad that back. he's back in our dugout. Yeah, I am too. Hey, great <laughs> well, to have you. Well, thank you. I appreciate. I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, we know you are. Yeah, yeah, very excited. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. Take me out to the ball game. Let's see what else is happening in the majors these days. I don't believe what I just saw. Time to go around the league. Around the league, we won't get into too many signings. Uh, you know, Justin Upton got 132 Good or for so him. million. 132, for the 22 million a season. Good for Justin. Ian Kennedy got 70 million Shocking. in five years from Kansas City. Shocking. How about that? Shocking. And Arardo Parra introduced as a new Colorado Rocky officially. Twenty-seven make, million. Yeah, nine a nine a year, right? Didn't he get three years? Yeah, three years, twenty-seven and a half. Yeah, yeah. so he can live on that. <laughs> hey, that's his big contract, and good for him. Good for Arardo. He earned it. Yeah. But the thing I want to talk about, guys, on this show that really impacts the Diamondbacks is something that uh, Cardinals GM John Mozeliak said last week, over the weekend, in fact. It's coming. John Mozeliak, uh, Cardinals GM, quoting here. There is more momentum now for the DH in the National League than ever before. Uh, Mosellac said, I do feel like there were times I could look all of you in the face, meaning the media, and say, the DH, it's a non-starter. It's not being discussed at the owner level or the GM level. But Mosellac said, over the past year, it has been discussed. And he says he's not suggesting you're going to see a change right away, but he thinks the momentum for DH in the National League is definitely, Gub, changing. Well, I agree with Maddie. Maddie, you know, talked about being uh, the, the purist in him says uh, keep the DH out of the National League. Uh, but I'm almost relinquished to the fact that, yeah, it is coming. It seems inevitable. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if it's coming that close, then we might as well do it and get it done with and, and go from there. Now, the the player-owner 
contract is up in, what, two years? Well, this is why there seems to be so much talk about this right now. Uh, the CBA is up after this season, the after collective this. bargaining agreement. Um, Tony Clark, former Diamondback who runs the Players Association, he has also said he's heard more discussion about the DH spreading to the National League than he has in past years. This is the final year of the CBA between the owners and the players. Negotiations on a new deal will go through this season. Current CBA expires in December. So you'll be seeing more news about this over the course of this year about the discussions because obviously you would like to have a new deal in place or just right. about in place by the time the current one ends, which is December. So this will be ongoing all season long. Well, what's been the big story of the offseason? It's been pitching. Everybody going after pitching, the price money. of pitching. Yeah. So, I think owners want to protect their investments, and they're looking at if their pitcher doesn't have to hit. Uh, that's, that's what I think. You yeah. risk you risk injury every time a pitcher hits because of that competitive nature. For the most part, they're busting it down the line trying to beat it. Some don't, but you always risk that injury of swinging the bat, hurting yourself, maybe oblique or whatever, or pulling a hammy. Then losing a starting pitcher for maybe uh, you know two or three starts, and I think that's one of the reasons that they're uh, they're looking into this more. One thing that has not been talked about a lot, but I think is really a driving force behind the DH thing, is roster construction. Yeah. And when you went to interleague play every day, because now with this new schedule, as we know, we have interleague games every day. The National League teams are at a real disadvantage in terms of the way the rosters are constructed because the American League teams have the DH, which means they don't have to carry as deep a bench, which means they can carry an extra relief pitcher in that bullpen. So in terms of bullpen construction, late in games, the American League teams have an advantage because of the way the rosters are constructed. And I think that's becoming more and more of an issue because we have the interleague games every day. Well, we go back, how many years ago was it, Leo, when uh, the Diamondbacks went out and specifically got a player for interleague, Willie Mopena, and hit oh, yeah. like crazy yeah. for, uh, for the Diamondbacks in interleague play. Uh, I thought last year's Diamondbacks roster was pretty good. They kind of lucked out with Salty. Yeah, yeah. for interleague, I mean, they had, they had some guys there they could use in that, that DH spot and keep other guys in the lineup. You know, they, they could play in Ciardi, Peralta, and Pollock and D.H. Yasmani if they wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Goldie even might have gotten a rest on one interleague game because yeah. I think yeah, Saldi might have played first yeah. base. And uh, so I think it's coming. I really do. I've, I wasn't a, I've never been a big proponent of the D.H., but uh, I, I'm almost uh, to the point now where it's going to be here sooner than later. Now, now, can I ask, I mean – you can ask anything. I'm, right? I'm going to ask, and just maybe just for the sake of discussion, is there is there an alternative to to bringing the DH to the National League? Can we go no DH in the American League and and expand the roster to give Players Association another roster spot or two? I don't think the DH is going to leave. I, I think the American League. Likes Again, it I'm just that's the thing. You can't just. It has to be collectively bargained. Yeah. Okay. So you can't. The owners can't just decide to do it. No. Nope. They'll that's, vote. That's yeah. why I said to. Right. So you're taking away that. So you DH have to spot. think in terms of jobs so and what the players' another, union will go that's for. That's exactly my point. Well, there's yes. been talk of going to a 154 game schedule, maybe. Expand. Which the owners will never do. No. And Rob Manfred has said games. that they yeah, can't lose the revenue. Be, yeah. that, but I think to give, if you want to give the guys a break from 162, I love the idea of going to a 28 man roster. Mm-hmm. 
Pick a number, 26, 27, 28. And 25 active every and day. Then, right. You have 25, like hockey. Yeah. You have 25 active every day. You have to report, okay, these are our 25 guys. These are our three healthy scratches. And that way you can, you might scratch a starting so, pitcher, a relief pitcher, add an extra outfielder, a third catcher, whatever you want. But that's a way to give guys more of a break if you don't want to go to 154. That's independent of the potential doing away with DH in the American League. They're never going to do away with the yeah, DH in the American Yeah, DH, League. I think, is But here. they are sort of, they're in the same discussion because you're talking about roster construction. You're talking about giving players a break. You're talking about protecting the health of players who are making hundreds of millions of dollars. So you guys it are kind com- of all is the you same You guys are discussion. completely on board with ringing the DH then. I hate the idea. But, but I, I don't like but it. But you're... It's going to happen. It's Arms up. You're not, yeah, you're not I, trying I, to... I've fought it before, and I mean, I, I, I still would probably... I like... The strategy of National League Baseball. I agree. That's why I'm just I'm trying to, I, I guess, grasp at straws of just who, yeah. how could we possibly well, save the, the, the no DH, at least in the National League. I don't think you can. Yeah, I think frankly. it's, uh, this it's gotten to that point. Got, gotten to that point now where it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. This was right. from, this was Monday, uh, yesterday, Giant CEO Larry Bear. Uh, said that baseball owners have not formally discussed an expansion of the DH rule. Now, the owners' quarterly meetings are set for this week, Wednesday and Thursday in Florida. I think they'll talk about that. He says the DH is not currently on the agenda, but that doesn't mean it won't be discussed. Yeah. Now, uh, Larry Bear, we are against the DH in the National League. We believe in the strategy around the traditional game. So that's the word from the Giants. Now, for the National League to adopt the DH rule, 75% of baseball's owners have to approve, which means 23 out of the 30. So that means you need eight National League owners who need to side with the 15 American League owners to get the DH passed. And then it has to be... Because the American League is going to say yay on everything. Exactly. So you're going to go 15 for 15. So you need eight National League owners to say yes. That has to be voted on and approved. And then it has to go to the players' union and be collectively bargained. So this is a real process here. This is not just a, somebody makes a decision, okay, yeah. we have a DH. And I think if anybody's wondering out there, could they do it this year? No. No. It, it will not happen this year. But, I don't think. And, and maybe not even next year. Yeah. You could bargain it so that it's phased in somehow. Right. I think you have to because yeah. the way your rosters are constructed right. and contract uh, commitments already, mm-hmm. uh, it'll put some teams at more of an advantage than other teams. But yeah. I, I really think the, the important point is roster construction – the DH would give National League teams a chance to carry an extra bullpen arm. And when you have interleague play every day, mm-hmm. it's becoming more and more of a problem. It's a bigger yeah. disadvantage than it was before. Yeah, the Diamondbacks, remember last year they finished with Houston here. So they were, you play interleague, uh, there's at least one interleague game every day of the uh, baseball season now. Yep, and it, it's an issue every day. And uh, Buster only wrote a, a piece over the weekend not only that, but as you have some of these guys who are making a lot of money in the National League get older, guys like Adrian Gonzalez, yeah. guys like Buster Posey, there's the David Wright. There's the opportunity to give them the day off, you well, know, the slash half day off as the DH. Let's That's take, also an issue. Let's take it from the American League side when they go to a National League park. Houston, I mean, look what they were looking to try and do in that series coming into Phoenix. They could not hit their designated hitter. Yeah. They Boston. had to use their pitcher. Boston with yeah. the you know, big poppy. They, yeah. they whine about it every time they go into yeah. a National League So, court. I mean, you know, you can look at it that way, and that's why you know the American League is going to get 15 owners voting on it, saying, yeah, we want the National League to do it. Then it becomes that curious eighth in the National League. A National League manager 
has to think about the two or possibly three times in a baseball game every day that he will have to pinch hit right. for his pitcher. The American League guy never has to no. do that, so he's allowed to carry a deeper bullpen. Yeah, I mean, a starting pitcher can take a hit for a maybe maybe a bullpen that's a little tired and give up five or six runs in the first few innings and still be out there in the seventh or eighth inning. Guys, one other thing in around the league that was interesting that really affects the Diamondbacks, I think very much so, was a column by Jason Stark at ESPN.com, who's terrific. Uh, he wrote about what he called the odd and troubling state of the National League. I saw that headline. Oh, what's that all about? The number of teams that are, I hate to use yeah, this term, but it's the story. one you hear all the time, tanking. Mm-hmm. They're rebuilding, they're rebooting, they're building for the future. Houston did it. Atlanta's doing it, they think. Look at the National League, okay? Of all, Forget that. Let's look at the major leagues. Of all the teams in baseball who are rebuilding, rebooting, tanking, use whatever word you want, they're all in the National League. Phillies, Braves, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, San Diego, and Colorado. Mm-hmm. Those are the teams that you're saying are, are flat-out rebuilding right now. They're punting on the next few years. They're all in the National League. He That's listed, created, Gubb, a tremendous imbalance. He listed, two the players that are, I mean, the teams that are trying to win. He didn't put the Diamondbacks in there, which I thought was a little unfair. I, I saw the list there. You know, teams are trying to win the Cubs. I think he mentioned... Uh, uh, Giants, and I thought, well, the Diamondbacks, you know, they've gotten to that point right now where they're trying to win. Here's a quote from one executive on a National League team. I've never seen the game so messed up. I think it's a problem for the sport, says an American League guy. I think the whole system is screwed up because I think it actually incentivizes not winning. Well, we've there is a bigger the payoff for a while, now. haven't we, Leo? And oh, they, yeah, that's and yeah. they had to go to a draft yeah. lottery. Yeah. They had yeah. to go to a draft lottery. There's a bigger payoff yeah. now. People have seen what Houston did yeah. to what some extent the Cubs did. What the Braves are totally yeah. doing right now. I mean, they're totally tanking, um, and it pays off. It, they're doing it for a reason because it works, and they're taking advantage of the system. It's a tough sell for fans in Atlanta right now. But the one thing they've got going for them, they got a new ballpark, which everybody's going to go want to see. Here's how it really affects the Diamondbacks, though, guys. Think about this now. Uh, this would be the first season ever since the American League was formed in 1901 that the six teams with the worst records in baseball would all come from one league. If you're counting the Phillies, the Braves, the Brewers, the Reds, the Padres, the Rockies as the worst teams in baseball, it would be the first time in over 120 years or so that all six teams with the worst records were in one league. That means that it's going to be a dogfight at the top of this National League. It's going to be hard. And if you go through the teams in the American League, I can't see really where you could put an American League team into that bottom six category. Yeah, you couldn't. It's a much more competitive yeah. top to bottom in the yeah. American League than the National yeah. League. Here's John Hart, who is one of the authors mm-hmm. uh, of this, uh, I don't know, plan <laughs> the rebuilding process, the Braves, president of baseball operations, uh, quoting, I count only eight or nine teams that have a chance in our league. It's a good time to be one of those clubs. Diamondbacks are one of those clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one National League executive. Because half of those eight or nine are going to be in the postseason. Yeah. One National League executive says, quote, you're going to have some big win totals because the good teams are going to be beating up on all those bad teams. So it's going to take a lot of wins to make the playoffs in the National League. Yeah, before we, I think we th- thought maybe 83, 84, 
Now you might need uh, upper 80s, low 90s. Yeah. It's an extremely top-heavy National League, so you're gonna every win is going to mean something for the Diamondbacks this yeah. year. There's no question. You've got to put up a pretty big number to get in this, this playoff tournament yep. in the National League. Leo, your thoughts? I, I, I agree all the way around. It, it, I think... It's, I think it's just a much more talked about topic now. I don't think it, it's necessarily new, but I think it's more widespread. And because the NBA people have been, uh, it's been so visible yeah. for them that it's a bigger topic for us. And I think fans might be a little more patient now than they were if they feel like there's a payoff at the end. And now it still may hurt at the gate yeah. without question. It's going to hurt at the gate. There's no question. But as a fan, you may not give up on the team. You just say, all right, I'm going to – you're taking a year or two off. I'm going to take a year or two off from coming to the games. But I see what you're doing, and three years from now, I think. Yeah, I'll be back. Let, yeah. let me ask you if Joe Fan has got that patience though nowadays. I don't think they do. I, I think I think Joe Fan wants to win right now. Look, be a, honest with you. A few years ago in Houston, you might get there. There might be 7,000 fans in the yeah. seats. No kidding, 7,000. Yeah. Now, we, we go there every year, yeah. it seems. We're going back again this year. Place is packed. They're into it. They're yelling. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different deal. Yeah. So there is a, a pot of gold at the end of this losing rainbow. Look how excited. And the Diamondbacks by no means in the world were tanking. But they were building, rebuilding the minor league organization to get depth, which they had have done. Uh, they've dealt a little bit of that again to get a guy like Shelby Miller. But what they have acquired, but the excitement generated from last season, as you said, Bert, earlier in the show, Playing better baseball, you know, 79-83, but still competitive. Yeah. Night in, night out the way they played. Now the additions of Granke and Miller this offseason. I mean, the excitement. We haven't seen this in the last four or five years. It's going to be fun. But uh, as guys have pointed out, it's going to take a lot of wins mm -hmm. to get into the National League playoffs. You're going to really have to represent. You might have to uh, very high 80s, 90s yeah. at least, just to get into the consideration. Yeah. Interesting. Let's uh, welcome our next guest. May I be so bold as to interrupt your little late night with Larry King live. What an evening, Mike. It's so good to see you. I didn't know you were still on. Ladies and gentlemen, will you welcome one of the magnificent figures? It's a true renaissance man. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Let's talk about current events, whatever you want. Akie, I quote. And now with that aside, I will sit down. Just finished working out here at Salt River Field to Talking Stick as Steve Axe lefty Patrick Corbin. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. He's uh, finished up his workouts. There are guys here. Uh, we, God, who we, we've seen Yasmani Tomas and Wellington Castillo and Ruby De La Rosa and Pat and Chris Owings. Evan Marshall was here. I think Aaron Hill I saw. Aaron yeah. Hill, Goldie. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's starting to get sort of that vibe, Patrick, that it's time to get back to work, I guess. Huh? Yeah, it's coming up quick. Uh, a lot of guys are out here excited and um, ready for the season and um, especially for me, uh, having a normal spring, so uh, able to throw now and work out and do everything um, that I used to be able to do. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about that with you uh, off the air. What has it been like for you this offseason versus last offseason when you were still rehabbing? Yeah, just having the mindset coming in uh, um, to go day one. Um, I'll be able to throw in spring training games this year and um, just – uh, be able to prepare myself like every other player and, and get ready to go. And um, the end of last year was uh, technically my midseason um, where I was. So um, it'll be fun to get another full year under my belt. Were you satisfied with the results of what you saw of yourself last year? Yeah, of course. Just um, 
I think coming back and be able to pitch again and go out there and compete, um, it's tough just being out for, for so long. And I guess you really don't realize it. And um, you see other guys do it, but when you're playing, you don't think about it too much. And um, just sitting there uh, in the training room the whole season and, and, and missing all that time, it's tough. But uh, being back now is, um, I mean, what we worked and, and we're in the training room and doing all that stuff for. I know when you came back, Chip had made mention of the media that they were going to try and keep you at 90, 95 pitches. I think they did a pretty good job of that. I don't know if you exceeded that or not uh, in any one start. There were probably a couple of starts maybe where you could have gone a little longer. But uh, in looking back at that right now, was that you think a fair number, 90, 95? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I um, went over 90, I don't, I don't believe. But um, they did a good job. In some games, I wasn't. Um, I th the biggest thing for me was the recovery part. In some games, I, I didn't really feel too well or, or too good out there and, and try to pitch through it. And um, they took me out early, which was good, looking back on it now. But at the time, just upset, wasn't able to go out there and go deep into ball games. And um, this year, it should be being this uh, much further off of surgery, should uh, be back to normal and uh, be able to put that pitch count back up there. We could see that when, forget all the enormous amount of work that you did that people don't see rehabbing and lifting and doing all that stuff here, but when you were out on the mound in the games, Pat, we could see that it really was a process. There were starts where we thought, wow, he's back. That's, yeah. that's the Patrick Corbin we know. There were other starts where it looked like not quite as sharp or crisp. There was maybe a fatigue factor. And then the start after that, you'd be right back to the old guy. So it really did seem to be a process out there on the mound, the comeback. Was it like that for you? Um, yeah, I'd say there was definitely ups and downs, and I think, I mean, just coming back from surgery, um, I guess you can expect that, but it, it's just hard to, to handle. Um, a lot of the guys would say um, just getting your feel back for all your pitches. Um, that seemed all right for me. Like I said, the biggest thing was just the recovery, throwing 80 pitches and then coming back on that fifth day and um, trying to feel as good as you did five mm -hmm. days ago. And um, I think now it's something that my arm, my body got used to just being out for 16 months and not doing that. Um, just took a little bit of adjustment to get back, and um, I'm confident this year that spring training will help me uh, be able to take that step forward. You were one of four coming back, too. Uh, you, were, you were coming back. Daniel Hudson had come back the prior September. Uh, the previous year, uh, Matt Reynolds, uh, David Hernandez, who's now with the Phillies. So you guys could all talk amongst one another. And uh, I'm sure that had to help a little bit. Yeah, um, especially uh, Hudson, just him going through it twice in a row and seeing him out there was just um, incredible for, for me and, and, and Dave and Matt as well and, um, and for us coming back. Um, it's just uh, it's a long road and it's tough. Um, Doing it twice like he did. Huh? Yeah, but, I mean, you see guys come back from it and um, they eventually get back to their form and, and get back into shape and, um, and get that arm going again. There are some, uh, and it's been documented. I mean, there are guys who come back actually throwing harder. Mm -hmm. I mean, Huddy was in a 99-100 last year. He was 100, yeah. yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw that forearm work and shoulder exercises that the training staff uh, has us do, and um, your arm feels, I mean, better than ever. It must be nice to just be a pitcher this year and not a patient. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just getting to come to work and, and, and go out there and pitch. Um, and I guess not a fan now. I don't have to sit there and watch the games. I actually can go out there and help the team win. So um, the hardest thing was just not being able to compete and just come to the ballpark, sit in the training room, and it's tough to go out there every day and just and do that. So uh, being able now to come to the ballpark and actually go out there and compete and get guys out is, um, I mean, it's our job and what we love to do. So now we leave that behind and we look forward to Patrick Corbin 
30 starts, however many innings, and off we go. So when you look at the rotation, people are excited. Uh, where were you when you heard about Zach Greinke? Um, yeah, I was out here for um, the jersey revealing. I believe it was the day after or so when we signed Zach. And um, I, just, I got a couple of texts from my friends and um, saying that we were looking at it or the name was out there. And um, initially I thought no way. And, um, I mean, when it finally came out, it, it kind of got, got me excited and a bunch of the other guys as well. So um, to have him and then to bring Shelby in as well, um, who I met the other day, it just seems like a, a great group of guys um, that – that can add to what we already have. And um, I think you just see the excitement and guys are here ready to go and, and pump for the season. Oh, you got Granke, Corbin, Miller. Then you've got four and five ballot. You got guys like Ruby. You got Robbie Ray, Chase Anderson, Zach Godley. A lot of probably options. leaving off one or two guys. I mean, a lot of competition. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean, it'll be exciting. My, I remember my first or second year in big league camp um, with me and Skaggs and Bauer and just having that competition for that last spot when I uh, made it in 2012 or so. Um, I think it brings out the best in guys to come out there and compete and you show who, who really wants to, to be out there. And, um, I mean, any – three or four of those options could could do really well for this team and um, I mean it'll take a little bit more pressure off them uh, move them back a little bit and um, yeah it just makes us more deep of a ball club it'll be fun though for the young guys uh, that we mentioned yourself uh, Miller the other ones watching a guy like Granky go about his business and pitching and pitching the way effectively like he does yeah I mean he by far is the most experienced out of all of us and um I mean, you know what you're going to get out of him, and it'll be exciting to have him on our side and be able to watch that and see how he, um, not only what he does on the mound, but in between his starts, uh, I think will be pretty neat as well. It probably doesn't make any difference when you're out there on the mound pitching, but maybe on the other days it might. Do, do you view yourself any differently when you look at the rotation as a group and, and your role in it? And people will say, well, Patrick Corbin might be a really good one one day, or he's a really good two, but now maybe he's a three. Does any of that matter? Um, I don't think any of the guys really even talk about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, after the first start of the game, it doesn't. you don't even know what part of the order is coming up. So um, it's we're, we just go out there and pitch every fifth day, and we know that. And um, I think opening day is a special day to pitch. Um, but, um, but other than that, I mean, throughout the season everybody's just going out there um, every fifth day and getting the job done and um, whether you're one or two I don't I don't really think that matters you just go out there and play we've seen how competitive you are and uh, we saw you handle the bat uh, a couple of years ago and you handled it pretty well Grinky handles the bat pretty well so you got some competition out there as far as swinging that lumber uh, um, <laughs> some athletes yeah, yeah. that's good um, I think he's got me there. He's <laughs> he's pretty good. I, I've heard some some rumors he wanted a DH with some teams before. So I mean, he probably could. He I, I mean, I don't even know what he hit last year, but I think he hit a couple homers and has a good swing. And um, I mean, he does it all. But the bottom line is, if you can handle the bat in the National League without the DH, you're going to keep yourself in games a lot longer. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, they just they expect us to put the bunt down and and uh, get the ball and play, but. Um, yeah, if you can go out there and do something with a the bat, they'll keep you out there. What were your impressions, and what was your what was it like meeting Shelby Miller for the first time? New teammate, new rotation mm -hmm. mate. You guys are going to spend a lot of time together. Uh -huh. What was that like? Yeah, it was good. Um, his wife and my girlfriend hit it off pretty well, so that was cool. And, that always helps. Um, yeah, we uh, we had we, it was great just to, to meet him, and I heard a little bit about him. Um, he seemed ready to go and fired up, and um, and I was the same way. So it should be. Um, 
um, like great to have him here. But I think he comes in here at the end of the month, and just having him uh, part of this rotation should be fun. Well, for those of you who don't know, Patrick is a Syracuse guy. Uh, you went back home, spent a little time. Your brother got married, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you had a little bit of a busy off season, but for the most part, you've been back here in Phoenix. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just uh, have a place out here now. It's a little bit easier to throw, work out, and um, I mean, who wouldn't want to come here and do that? It'll get away from upstate New York in January is always a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Well, we were told that when Mike Butcher got the pitching coach job here, uh, he really impressed in his interview by having an individual plan for every pitcher on the team and how they'll go about their business. Have you talked to Mike at all, and do you know anything about his plan for you? Um, I've talked to him very little here um, that I've seen him. Um, but it was it was weird when uh, in the off season I got a phone call and I already had his number in my phone and I was like trying to think how I had it when I was with the Angels yeah, I had man. a two week camp there and um, with him so um, he's worked with me very little there and um, but what I hear about him talking with uh, Tyler Skaggs who was over there and Garrett Richards who I've played with as well and saying how good of a guy and great great um, coach and mentor he is so um, it's going to be fun to work with him and have a new face here to, to help this staff out. Does pitching coach make a big difference? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it just, I think learn the experience that he has in knowing the hitters in the league will help, will help us out a lot, especially, um, I mean, most of the staff besides Zach, we, we haven't really faced the whole league yet. So, or have seen these hitters enough. So it will just help to have their opinion, another option, a different, different mindset in here. And, um, we're looking forward to it. Opening day probably can't come fast enough for you. Can yeah. It? it seems like it's coming up quick. <laughs> it's moving. Hey, thanks for doing this. We appreciate yeah. taking time out. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank thanks, you. Patrick. Well, let me tell you something, brother. We're ready to smack you over the head with some serious analytics. Thermodynamics, hypermathematics. Like a wrestler with a folding chair. Lay it the smack it down. It's go time for Sabermetric Smackdown. Sabermetric Smackdown looks ahead, guys, to 2016. The projected standings are out. And you guys won't believe this. Again, we don't have to play the games? <laughs> no, we, the computers have, have played two, all of them. Two weeks so in a row, we don't have to. We'll see you this time nice. next year. Take yeah. the year off. The spinner, outburst, stratomatic, dice or spinner. <laughs> Fangraphs calculations. Fangraphs is a terrific website. I go there several times every day, fangraphs.com. But they have come out with their calculations right now, of course. Things can change. Guys can still sign and whatnot. But they have come out with their projections for the 2016 standings. And they keep in mind these are projections and only projections. They are not predictions per se. But uh, they have come up with uh, what they think the divisions will look like at the end of this year. I'll give you a hint. Keep in mind here. The Diamondbacks in 2015 were 79 and 83. Okay, 79 and 83. What do you think Fangraphs projects the Diamondbacks to finish in 2016? 83 and 79. I'm going with 85 wins. The Diamondbacks, according to Fangraphs, are projected to go 79 and 83. <laughs> what, did they forget to enter Granke and Miller? I guess they did. Uh, wow. Now, look, even Fangraphs admits. You're kidding me. Uh, they, How's that possible? Look, it's a forecast. They've looked at improvements up and down, and this is what they came up with. They came up with this, National League West. They project that the Dodgers will go 90 and 72. The Giants will go 86 and 76, and the Diamondbacks will go 79 and 83. See, I think both the Diamondbacks and Giants are going to finish ahead of the Dodgers. I agree. I agree. Be, I, agree. Uh, I thought that was kind of so silly I had to bring it up. We have to smack that down. Yeah. Oh, I like what you did there. Yeah. Nice. 
Uh, and again, they can change, they say. The teams they predict will be the most improved in all of baseball. The Red, the Red Sox and the White Sox. They like what the Red Sox did. They like what the White Sox did. They added Todd Frazier, Brett Lurie. Uh, they think the teams that will take the biggest drops are Toronto and Houston. I don't necessarily agree with Houston. Maybe Toronto, you wonder about the pitching. They don't have David Price anymore. Yeah. And health is always an issue there. But they say the Diamondbacks will finish with the exact same record uh, as they did last year. I don't agree. They will have a run differential of minus 21. Last year, the D-backs run differential plus 7. This year, they say minus 21. So do with that what you and want. And you yeah. wonder why we kind of right out the right into the trash. Yeah, yeah. that's where it goes. Uh, come on, as as Russo always says to Brian Kenny, do you watch the games, <laughs> Brian? Do you watch the games? Those, those are your that's those are your people though. I love both of them, uh, but for different reasons. <laughs> uh, that's another uh, riveting show, guys. Thank nice job, Leo, on the guests, Matt Williams, Patrick Corbin. Well, last, like I said, it came down to the uh, the wire, but we we managed to get some. I think some it's a lunch big room time. that attracts them. Yeah, then they come in and they see no food and they want to leave. <laughs> well, I just put some of the plastic fruit out there and <laughs> you brought it, it brought it from home, did yeah, you? Exactly. From from your art class. Whatever painting, gets whatever painting gets your them in still the door. lifes at home. Whatever gets them in the door. Don't forget, fans, follow the Diamondbacks on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole thing. D-backs have a ten game mini plan that allows fans first chance to purchase tickets for opening day. Uh, all ticket packages can be purchased at dbacks.com slash tickets, or you can call 602-462-4600. Don't forget, we open up 2016 at home again, Chase Field, April 4, against Gerardo Parra and the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, and keep, uh, you know, keep up with us on Twitter. Uh, we'll let you know ahead of time, if we can, the podcast coming out, Diamondback News, and, uh, you know, Diamondbacks are on Twitter, uh, we're all on Twitter, so you can keep up with us that way. That's a pretty easy way to follow the Dimebacks. Yeah, the uh, podcast website is at Dbacks Podcast yep. on the Twitter, I should say. So uh, we'll give you guest news and stuff, pictures of Leo behind the scenes. That's which right. are always big. I liked last year. Last year's in the bathroom, though, with the wave. <laughs> hey, we may be back there before the yeah. Now we're in the spring kitchen. season's over. Uh, spring training schedule opens up March first here at Salt River Field to Talking Stick against the University of Arizona. Uh, we play two games to finish up spring training at Chase Field, April 1st and 2nd against the Royals. The Tickets. world champs. Yeah, how about that? By the way, oh, I had another one for on the Fangrass thing. Well, they have Kansas City at next year. Get this. What are you thinking here? They predict the Royals will go 79-83, and 83, same record as the Diamondbacks. How is that possible? <laughs> the pickup of Ian Kennedy. I guess. Taking a blow to their credibility. I mean, I, yeah, go figure that. Yeah, they, they dissed the world champs. Uh, tickets for all games at Salt River Field to Talking Stick, priced from $11 to $37. You can get individual games. You can get a spring season ticket plan for all the games. Those went on sale in December. Individual game tickets are on sale now. For the spring training, you can purchase at the D-backs ticket office at Chase Field or online, dbacks.com slash tickets. And I think we could safely say, guys, it is tough a ticket. Spring training has come by here at Salt River Fields. It's going to be tougher this year. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot tougher this year. It is going to be fun out here. Yeah. Uh, we'll have 10 games on TV, by the way, in spring training. You guys are 11 radio. 11 radio. Radio and the webcast. Eight and the webcast. Web. Yeah. Mike Farron will be working hard. Well, that'll be a first for him. <laughs> Month-long vacation for that guy. He starts off his D-backs career by uh, taking a month off. <laughs> Good for him. That's our 29th show, Season 2, Episode 4. 
D-Bags podcast, as always, brought to you by Beverages by Hoffman, by Martin Paints, Martin Paints at Anxious Paints, and Matzas by Strites. For the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, the Governor Greg Schulte. Hoo-yah! And the Kingslayer, Leo, Bad News, Gil Martin. Mm-hmm. I'm Steve Berthume. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll talk to you again next week from Salt River Fields at Talking Sticks. So long, everybody. This has been another edition of D-Backs Podcast. The game is over. The Diamondbacks have got to win here. Thanks for listening. It's over. Go home. We'll see you soon at Chase Field for more D-Backs Baseball.